Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. What is going on, everybody? It's yours truly, Conor A.K. OK Fabe. And welcome, guys, to your October 5th edition of the OK Fabe Show, of course, right here on YouTube.com, Facebook.com, and, of course, wherever fine podcasts can be found. We're on iTunes, we're on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and, of course, tune in. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to this week's edition, or today's episode, as we're going to cover the SmackDown debut from Fox. Yes, a lot to process a new WWE champion and apparently a brand new director direction uh, for SmackDown on Friday nights on the big boy brand Fox Network. So we're going to have a lot to talk about here. Probably going to be a lot of polarizing opinions as far as how SmackDown uh, came across. A lot of changes, a new set, a new crew for the commentary team. And of course, as I mentioned, a new WWE champion. We're going to break down all that for you. But of course, you guys know the routine. You guys know the whole deal at home. Let me know your thoughts. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. So make sure you hit me up in the comment section. Let me know on social media, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, all those fun places. Make sure you let me know. I always love to hear from you guys as far as what you guys thought of SmackDown's debut on Facebook. Fox, and there is a lot of interesting, polarizing, and just uh, a lot of questions, a lot of questions to be had heading into Hell in a Cell, coming at you this Sunday, and don't forget, guys, we will be live right here on the YouTube channel uh, right after Hell in a Cell, as, of course, we will be on the 101th episode of the Random Wrestling Podcast, where we cover the entire Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, of course, right here on the channel, so make sure you guys come back for that. Uh, so... SmackDown debut on Fox. Was it as big as they made it out to be? Sort of. I I think that, you know, when you look at this idea of SmackDown going to Fox, you knew they were saving some things for that show. You know, as of recording this episode, uh, there is no, there's literally three matches made for Hell in a Cell for coming this Sunday. So you know where their priorities are at, right? The WWE Championship's being defended. Brock Lesnar's wrestling for the first time on the SmackDown brand in almost 15 years. You know where their priorities lie. And and the things I'm going to say first and foremost about SmackDown this week is the fact that you could tell that they were definitely, definitely pulling out as many stops as they could for this. And I will say that Fox and Fox Sports, uh, you know, the affiliate Fox Sports, uh, was definitely making SmackDown to have a bigger presence felt to it. Now, we heard a lot of rumblings and rumors that Fox or WWE and or the combination of the two were looking to make this a more sports 
oriented show or me at least have come across of that presentation between the blue uh, blue carpet premiere the graphics the brand new set design which i absolutely love and of course michael cole and Corey graves only the two on commentary this evening uh, i definitely certainly had that feel to it smackdown felt like the a show for years raw was always considered to be the the premiere show the a brand uh compared to uh smackdown and subsequently SmackDown Live, but just the entire overall presentation with like the the uh, the you know the the commercial breaks, a lot of commercial breaks, surprisingly, the advertisements being placed, it felt like you were watching um, someone present WWE. If if you had like someone who was in charge of say football or baseball or a major sport, saying, okay, you're not doing your major sports anymore, you're now presenting wrestling, but do it the way you would do it with the other sports. It sort of felt like that. There were still entertaining moments. We had a Firefly Funhouse segment. We had a you know opening segment with The Rock talking down King uh, Burger King crack co- crack King Baron Corbin, but it still had that sports feel to it, which is definitely one of the positives I will say about the show overall. Say what you will about the thoughts about the show or the the, the Kofi title defense or lack thereof in some cases. Uh, and how the show really didn't feel like anything special, but I think what they were trying to do here was they were trying to establish the fact that SmackDown was a completely different beast, for lack of a better word, compared to its Raw counterpart, and I cannot argue with that whatsoever. That If that was the mission, mission accomplished. Everything else felt like it was, well, by the numbers in a lot of ways. It felt like when they do a reason to have a major Raw or a major SmackDown have some sort of milestone. Granted, this just happened to coincide with the 20th anniversary of SmackDown, but the idea of them being on Fox obviously superseded it. So what they were trying to do was they were trying to establish their... Uh, their product, in this case SmackDown, to a presumably brand new audience. And so it's going to be very interesting to see what the numbers are going to be like for the ratings once they come out uh, a little later on, I'm assuming today here on, on Saturday. Uh, so I'm going to definitely be keeping my eyes and, uh, eyes and ears peeled for that. So make sure you like, let me know if you hear it. Hit me up on Twitter at OKFabe because I'd love to hear what those numbers are. So uh, again, overall though, the show was not anything too special unless you count the closing segment, which I'm going to talk a lot about in a lot of detail, but let's actually get to SmackDown itself. So, of course, we kick things off with um, with Vince McMahon making his entrance. They, of course, welcome us to history and to Fox, and Vince welcomes us to Friday Night SmackDown. We see a brand new video intro uh, for the show, which, again, just reemphasizes to me how big a feel they're really making SmackDown, how Fox is making it such a big deal. So definitely thumbs up on that. Becky Lynch makes her entrance and commentary team Colin Graves welcome us. Becky begins talking about how good it feels to kick off the first SmackDown on Fox and this shows in her blood. She smashed through glass ceilings and changed the game and she wants to repay us by kicking someone's ass tonight and start things off right. And of course, Corbin shows up asking if Becky's listening to herself, saying everyone knows who should be starting off the show. It's him. He's the king. Um, she tells him if you can find out who the man is, he'll take one more step in the ring and beat, assumably beat his brains in. And then, of course, The Rock shows up, who, surprisingly, was the only legend that showed up in the ring this entire evening. It was very strange. You know, we had rumors of Ric Flair, and, and, and Hulk Hogan was even advertised. Stone Cold, who was part of the blue carpet uh, rollout earlier on, about a half hour before SmackDown went on the air, was more part of that. But he, The Rock, was the only legend to physically show up in the ring. Now, 
You can make arguments about that either way. I mean, Rock was a very last minute addition. They only announced him, like, I think, I believe earlier this week, if not the week prior. I know it wasn't the week prior. I'm pretty sure it was this week. You guys can, of course, let me know otherwise. But when Rock's in the ring, you know, you're going to have a little bit of fun. He gets in the ring, shakes Lynch's hand, and brushes right past Corbin posing for the crowd. He gets on the mic and says, Many, many moons ago, he uttered the phrase that some jabroni that changed the world forever when he said he was going to lay the smack down. And since then, the word. SmackDown has become an institution. He calls Baron a broke-ass Burger King on crack and says we're still here live on Fox waiting for him to do the finally bit. Of course, he does it, but Corbin cuts him off saying he needs to make a correction. This isn't Rock's home. And essentially, we go a little bit of a back and forth with Rock and Becky Lynch kind of making jokes at Baron Corbin's expense. Of course, he's saying, you know, do you think you're the man? Becky's more the man. And he goes, do you think, you know, you're not really a king? Do you think Becky calls herself the man and holding around a bunch of testicles? And, of course, Becky says, well, if I did, they'd be bigger than yours, Baron, and to which that got a good decent uh, reaction. Of course, it just ends up with Baron Corbin trying to attack both of them, a combination of a, both a people's elbow, Becky doing a, uh, you know, a, a, a forearm shot, walks him into a rock bottom, and Rock and Becky Lynch pose out to end the opening segment. The opening segment wasn't anything you know, horrible. It was just there. I think that I love me some Rocky, you know, with him making fun of Baron Corbin, the uh, supremely tough dude as I think they call them, um, a super tough dude, excuse me, super tough dude, AKA STD, uh, was fun, you know, but with rock, uh, and, and Becky, it, it just was a dynamic to me that didn't quite fit. And as soon as you knew Corbin was out there and as soon as you heard rocks music, music, you kind of knew the direction of where things were going. Truth be told, I'm actually surprised they started with this whole thing. I mean, granted, it rolls into the Four Horsewomen tag team match, which we'll talk about in a second. But just generally, I was kind of surprised they even started out with this whole idea. Again, don't get me wrong, not a horrible thing, but just Rock and Becky just didn't really, to me, mesh up well. But not a horrible segment by any stretch of the imagination, but just not one I would have... um, I would have tuned her into. The women are on display as Lynch and Flair def- uh, to go up against the Boss and Hug connection. Uh, very solid matchup. I think better than the last one that we saw the two women wrestle at uh, a couple weeks ago, I believe, on Raw. Uh, of course, it comes over towards a, uh, a move at, towards the end where Charlotte gets up on the top turnbuckle, diving moonsault onto the floor, back in, double leg on Bailey, spinning toe hold. We got ourselves a figure four leg lock, bridging in the back. And of course, Lynch and Flair actually win via submission with the figure eight from Flair onto Bailey. Uh, not a bad matchup, not a bad way to kick things off uh showcasing the women of course and again becky kind of being the opening segment helped transition into that i think flair and uh lynch actually really needed this because banks and bailey have been such a, on a tear lately but i have my feelings about what i think is going to happen with the raw women's championship we'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode of the okay fabe show 7 a.m right before uh the uh, pay-per-view later on in the evening so we'll make sure to keep your eyes and ears peeled for that one we get a brief interview from the new day of course kofi says he's always the underdog about his title defense against lesnar he does what he does he Climbs mountains, overcomes the odds, and that's what he's going to do tonight. <clears throat> Big E takes issue with being referred to as a posse, and Wood says Kofi has asked politely to him hanging in the back tonight so he can prove to everyone he deserves to be your WWE champion. And then, of course, we get ready for uh, Seth Rollins having a matchup. So back from commercial break, we see Tyson Fury is shown in the front row. Of course, they also show Kurt Angle and Foley outside the ring. We get uh, Rollins doing his entrance, but then it gets interrupted by a Firefly Funhouse segment with none other than Bray Wyatt and the crew. Um, Bray Wyatt welcomes Seth to the show and says when we're all being introduced to SmackDown's new home, he wants to introduce his home to his special friends, which shows Abby the Witch, Mercy, Huskis, and of course Rambling Rabbit, who is not only alive still, but dressed up in a Seth Rollins cosplay, which I really well, thought was really funny. Bray says he didn't realize Rabbit was such a big fan 
Fanning gives him an idea and wants to use him to show what Seth's going to happen to him inside Hell in the Cell. So Rabbit's locked up in a dog pen, uh, like a dog cage that's spray painted red because remember, Hell in the Cell's red now. Uh, and he goes, Rambling Rabbit will play the role of Seth Rollins and Mercy the Buzzard will play the role of the Fiend. And basically it's just stuffing flying everywhere as uh, Rambling Rabbit suffers another horrific defeat and um, presumably death at the hands of uh, the Firefly Funhouse. Of course, uh, Bray does his evil laugh, see you in hell, waving, and closes out that little piece of the Firefly Funhouse. Seriously, I think Rambling Rabbit has died more times than Kenny in the first couple of seasons of South Park, and I think that's the best way I can describe it. Um, definitely an improvement over the last Firefly Funhouse. I felt the last one wasn't anything too too special. Um, you know, again, you're not going to have winners every single week. I understand that. But uh, not too shabby either. I, I really love the, the Rambling Rabbit. It makes me wonder what that relationship's going to grow in because, again, Rabbit's been trying to tell us stuff about the Firefly Funhouse for a while, but that's neither here nor there as we move into a Champions versus Champions match between Seth Rollins and the Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura. The match is pretty... Uh, pretty decent but of course it doesn't really last too long as of course we see him uh Seth Rollins getting ready to tune up the band and when the lights go out and they come back on the fiend locks in the mandible claw on Seth Rollins uh so of course we presumably think that Rollins wins by disqualification with another fiend like interference I really hope that this is not the we're, we're starting to I think to fall into a pattern here with Rollins and the fiend and it's it's seemingly one that I'm not really fan of I think I, I understand why they need to do it because again they're hyping up the title match at the pay-per-view but it's getting a little it's getting a little repetitive and I'm hoping that once we get away from this that things will kind of you know go back to maybe not seeing the fiend as much or not seeing you know Bray uh featured so heavily I think that that's really the issue here is that we're taking something that took so long to build and we saw it very sparingly and now we're seeing it almost on a consistent basis so we need to kind of pull it back a little bit but we'll see what happens on Sunday at Hell in the Cell. Owens and Shane McMahon career versus career ladder match, in my opinion, was the match of the night for SmackDown this evening. Uh, I think that if you're going to go at it, these are definitely the uh, this was definitely the one to uh, to watch for sure. The lumberjack match, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, was also a top contender, but for me, this is where the money maker was. It's not that Shane or Kevin Owens had put on their best performance. I think that's still reserved for um, the Hell in the Cell match and even some subsequent like street fights in between there. Uh, but this one was was a was a damn good one. This one was really a lot of fun. Uh, Shane took a lot of hella bumps, of course, doing the you know diving elbow through the announce table. Uh, we go back from a commercial break. Owens is uh, headed uh, up to the top himself with McMahon on the ladder. Does a frog splash through the ladder and the floor. Shane doing a coast to coast. Shane climbs, but Owens recovers desperately, pulling him off the ladder and power bombs him into the ladder. Stretch across one of the quarter of the rings, and of course Owens climbs up, unhooks the briefcase. And we get the victory. So Kevin Owens is staying on SmackDown, at least for now, until the draft next week. But Shane McMahon is no more. Um, considering, and, and maybe I'm wrong with this one, I thought she, uh, Kevin Owens was wearing a new shirt. I'm like, cool, they released a new Kevin Owens shirt. Surely they're going to fire his ass. You know what I mean? Uh, but either way, still a fun matchup. Uh, I love the, you know, quote-unquote brutality of it. But I also love some of the cleverness. The psychology was very strong. Just a very solid matchup overall. My favorite so far of the entire evening. Uh, we see Paul Heyman interview, of course, demanding footage of Lesnar's attack being shown from Raw and says, of course, Brock is going to do the same thing 
to Kofi. Now, of course, we have a quick eight-man tag team match, which had very little entrances, but then again, when you've got stuff planned a little later on in the evening, you get what you can get. The U.S. champion AJ Styles, Ziggler, Randy Orton, and Robert Roode uh, team up to take on Braun Strowman, Heavy Machinery, and of course, The Miz. The match is relatively quick, with kind of a couple guys doing a couple things here and there. Uh, we see a scroll-crushing finale, RKO, Otis with the body avalanche, phenomenal forearm, Tucker with the cactus clothesline, Braun calls for the circuit and pounces everybody on the floor. Strowman mocks Tyson Fury in the front row and picks up his Dukes, but then, of course, the distraction is enough for Diggler to, Ziggler to dive on him. Braun turns him around, though, throws him into a post and into a Fury. Back inside, super kick connects, but, Braun, of course, Braun counters with a follow-up and hits the running power slam onto Ziggler to get the victory for him and the baby faces. However, it does not end there. Post-match, Tyson Fury actually jumps the rail as security swarms him to keep him from putting his hands on Braun. You hear constant chance of saying, let them fight, ring out as Tyson tries to compose himself when we cut back from the commercial break. Now, a couple of things. I don't know much about Tyson uh, Fury. I was looking and researching him before I did the review. A, uh, a huge boxer, and uh, the guy's a mo- like the guy's pretty decent size. And the first thing that came into my mind, I'm sure it did for you, is like, oh well, there's Braun's gimmick match for WrestleMania this year, right there, Tyson Fury. Um, you know, we've seen Big Show versus. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, and I think that that was a very different type of match, but it's kind of along those same schemes. At least that's what they're kind of planting here. But then again, once we get what in the evening, oh boy, maybe uh, maybe we're getting a different gimmick match a whole heck of a lot sooner. Uh, depending on how that goes, I could be down for that. You know, Strowman, I think, and and again, we'll talk more about this when it comes to draft. See, uh, the draft next week. Uh, definitely could be a fun one. It could be an entertaining match, and it could be something they could play up very, very well if they play their cards right and could give them a lot of publicity. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. It's not the first time we've seen, like I said, gimmick matches with wrestlers before and non-wrestlers facing off against each other. Hasn't been the first time. It probably won't be the last. So could have some fun with that one, but compared to the other one, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. We show a recap of the shenanigans of the 24-7 title with Marshmallow actually winning the title from Carmella and then Carmella winning it back not too much later. Cute little segment. A celebrity wins the title. It adds prestige to the 24-7 championship. Eric Rowan and Roman Reigns go one-on-one, and this time it is a lumberjack match. And I can't remember uh, when they actually announced it. I don't think they did for the week prior. I don't know if they did it just on that SmackDown. I completely missed when they announced it was the lumberjack match. But as you know, lumberjack matches have a, of course somewhat notorious reputation of kind of going all out. So uh, that's exactly what happened here. <laughs> um, back from commercial break, we see Rowan in control um, with double-fisted head vi- uh, vice. Reigns fights back, of course. We see whipped to the corner, back elbow blocks the charge, side-tested. St- uh, side Eric into the post, 10-corner uh, ten lariats fall off the ropes. Uh, we see a Samoan drop. Uh, Roman tries to go for the Superman punch, but gets countered into a side slam. Elbows to the corner, big boot. Superman punch connects, but out comes Luke Harper. Harper attacking uh, pretty much all the lumberjacks. Uh, Daniel Bryan then attacks, who is doing commentary at ringside, and then it's chaos all over the floor. Roman jumps off the rope, suicide died off the top. Rowan picks Mustafa Ali up and power bombs him into Rowan, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, back inside, off the ropes, big freight train crossbody, calling him for the claw, but Roman blocks it with an elbow. Superman punch, Harper hits the ring, Lariat connects, Brian takes out Harper uh, with the uh, with the knee, and then of course Reigns takes his opening, hits the spear, and gets the victory over Eric Rowan. Post-match, we see Brian offering Reigns his hand, and of course Roman accepts, heading into their big tag match on Sunday. Uh, not bad. I, I actually thought this was kind of a fun one with the Lumberjacks because, again, when's the last time we haven't seen a Lumberjack match that resulted in just utter sheer chaos? So, didn't mind that so much. The um, 
the probably my second match of the evening compared to the ladder match. It's a tough call. These two kind of were like almost neck and neck with each other as far as which one I preferred. I'm going to go with the ladder match just for my own personal reasons, but the lumberjack match is also something I would definitely check out. But if you have a few seconds, you can definitely check out the WWE Championship match between Brock Lesnar and Kofi Kingston. Yes, I said a couple of seconds. With 10 minutes left to go on air before SmackDown went off the air on its debut on Fox, Brock Lesnar and Kofi Kingston's bell rang for the uh, for the WWE Championship match that we've been hyping up for a few weeks, all for Kofi Kingston to literally leap onto Brock Lesnar's shoulders, hit an F5, and there you have it, your new WWE Champion. That has to be some sort of record. I'm sure people will, get, will let me know what it is. I'm pretty sure it was around nine seconds that the match was and so Brock Lesnar becomes your new WWE World Heavyweight Champion but it doesn't last long as we actually hear Rey Mysterio's music hits and interesting enough he's in an arm sling and from a distance I thought he was bringing Dominic with him but no no it's not Dominic it's former UFC Heavyweight Champion Kane Velasquez yeah that's right Velasquez is in WWE now for those of you who don't know who that is uh, that is the man who defeated Brock Lesnar for the championship in almost one round total knockout. He comes down to the ring, uh, double leg takedown, ramming punches down on Lesnar. R- Brock then turtles up and bolts out of there. They see a little bit of a more of a tension where Brock might run his way back in, but he decides to leave with Heyman as Rey Mysterio and him and Kane celebrate in the ring uh, to close out SmackDown's debut on Fox. There is a lot to unpack there in that last segment for the title. <laughs> the last 10 minutes are just another like, man, there's a lot to process here. So a couple things. Number one, Kofi, Kofi Kingston losing the championship so quickly. I think it's safe to say that a lot of people saw this coming. Whether you think it's a good move for them or not, when you figured that they were going to have Brock Lesnar wrestle for the first time in 15 years on their debut on Fox, and you heard the idea that they're going for a more sports-oriented feel to it, you kind of already knew that the, the deck was stacked against Kofi to keep the championship. You know, and I understand people are not too happy about Kofi losing in such a, you know, jobber fashion. And I can't disagree with you on that. I wish Kofi did put up more of a fight. Uh, but in bigger picture, that's not what they were there to really sell. They were there to sell Lesnar versus Kane Velasquez. Now, I am not a UFC fan. I do not follow UFC that much as I would like to and have the time to do so. But I will say this. I think from a storyline perspective, it is a cool move to have the guy who beat Brock come in and become a credible threat to Brock Lesnar, especially now that he is the WWE champion. From a storyline perspective, it has definitely piqued my interest. However, and again, I am not one to uh, point judgment on anyone for, you know, for the way they look. Lesnar looks in like amazing shape. Cain Velasquez does not. His physique is almost completely different compared to Lesnar's, not to mention his knee brace that he's wearing. So he's definitely at a bit of a disadvantage there. This was definitely a PR move to get fans buzzing and to kind of create something big for people like, holy crap, look what happened. You got to tune in next week to see what happens on Fox. So I get it bigger picture what they were trying to go for and what they might be going for is a Cain Velasquez versus Lesnar match for the WWE Championship, which would be, in my opinion, the first time that two former UFC heavyweight champions who have been in a match for a UFC title are now fighting for a WWE Championship at a WWE ring. Uh, you know, my previous comments about Strowman and, and Fury going at it could also subsequently, you know, transition into maybe this match happening at WrestleMania. Who knows? Would it be for the championship? 
I don't know. There's always a chance Kane could screw Lesnar out of the title, and we just have Lesnar and Kane, Velasquez at Mania. I think that's going to happen at Mania no matter what, but whether or not it's for the championship or not is a completely different story. Um, but again, I'm not too surprised by this. And it's funny because I know a lot of people who listen to me will say, like, what they did to Kofi was BS, the him losing the championship so quickly. On the other hand, a lot of people were not big fans of Kofi's run at this point in time anyway, and they felt like he was getting stale. Um, but either way, I think that, that the ending for SmackDown was one that... From a storyline perspective only, it seemed like a, you know, it's, it's a good idea on paper. But when you see it happen in front of you, it's a little different. And unfortunately, it's because Kane does not look like a threat to Lesnar. He doesn't. I get the story and the shock factor and him showing up to, to, to smack down and the history that the, him and Lesnar have with Kane beating Lesnar in UFC. And now he's coming to WWE to potentially do the same thing. On paper, that sounds fantastic, but when you see it in person, it's a different scenario. I would much rather Kane Velasquez, and, and this could be the case because we won't know until we get further down the road, I'd rather have him endorse someone or help someone beat Lesnar because then you can have the relationship and still have that animosity between Lesnar and Kane without having anything physically happen. And then that could still happen. Everything is still so early as far as the storyline goes that they could literally go in a bajillion different directions. So it's not to say that it's going to be, I can't sit here and tell you it's a horrible idea because I don't know what the payoff's going to be. If the payoff is going to be Lesnar versus Velasquez in a WWE ring one-on-one, I'd suffice it to say it's probably not going to be the return on investment that you probably think it's going to be. It's going to get eyeballs on the product, no questions asked. But... At what cost, you know? I've heard a lot of people say that maybe Kane should have just screwed Lesnar out of the title match and Kofi should have retained. That could have been a great way to do things too. Um, but just a lot of unanswered questions and ones that I'm not really sure how to feel about. But SmackDown overall, besides the weird ending with Kane Velasquez, was an okay show. But again, you have to look at what they're trying to accomplish. Was it a SmackDown that was definitely a must-see episode of SmackDown? No. I don't think so. I definitely would recommend the ladder match and the lumberjack match for sure. Maybe the rock segment if you like that kind of thing. But other than that, SmackDown really wasn't anything too special aside from the new set and their debut on Fox and how big they made it feel. When we get to the draft next week, that's where things are really going to take that. That's where I think things are going to take off. That's where I think we're going to start really getting some more, um, some better in-ring performance and some better storyline development. That's where I think things are headed. So maybe that's just me, though. I'd like to hear what you guys thought of SmackDown Live this week. Let me know your thoughts. Hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on social media. What do you think of SmackDown on Fox? Kane Velasquez, uh, the Fury uh, Strowman rivalry, the ladder match, the Loverjack match, everything in between. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Hit me up on the Twitter at OKFabe. And let me know your thoughts and subscribe if you're new to the channel. Hit that bell so you're notified every time a video drops in your subscription box. Tomorrow, we got a double dose of videos for you guys. We're going to be, of course, dropping a new episode of the OK Fabe Show, previewing the entire Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, which as of right now is only three matches. So we'll see how that goes. But if we don't do one of those, depending on how things roll, we, of course, will be doing a Hell in the Cell review immediately after the pay-per-view. It'll be episode 101 of the Random Wrestling Podcast. Make sure you guys come back Sunday after the pay-per-view is over. We'll talk all things hell in a cell. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always... Take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch the OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fabe Show.